0: Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Welcome to Justice is Served. Today, we're talking my arrest, marijuana laws, and more. You are tuned
1: into Black Hollywood Live's Justice is Served.
0: Hello and welcome to Black Hollywood Live's Justice is Served with me, Chelsea Galicia, and my co-host, Shaka Smith. Thank you for joining me on my return from an, an unbelievable time in DC <laughs> that I cannot wait to tell you about. Thank you for joining us on another episode of, of Justice is where we talk about the latest in legal news for the week. And as somewhat expected, I became part of the legal news of the, the week. Myself, along with 1,200, some people say 1,300, if more, other people, including actress Rosario Dawson and Ben and & Jerry's of the Ben & Jerry's uh-huh. Ice Cream, were all arrested last week as part of the Democracy Spring Rally in Washington, D.C. So I knew going in that I was, uh, I had signed up for this face risking arrest thing, and this is all in the name of getting money out of politics.
1: Yeah, well, was it worth it?
0: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it really is it not so bad, I highly advise it, but only to get arrested for something like this. Yeah. Um, this movement is about getting mon- big money out of politics, this whole movement about getting corporate money out of the legislative process, out of our elective process, because so many of the other problems that we see from climate problems to Black Lives Matter, all sorts of problems that we want to take on are all related um, to this problem of m- big money in politics. We're stuck. We can't really do much because of all the money influencing the legislative um, Congress people in the Senate and everybody, keeping them inactive or keeping them pushing laws that favor the big corporate interests. So. There are four laws, in specifically, that we went to go march for, and this was so amazing. Every day they had a, a rally, and we met in front of Union Station. I'm sure you remember very much Union yeah, Station when you absolutely. were there. And we had a rally, and then marched to the Capitol. <laughs> uh, I think we have a couple of my own pictures that I um, shot throughout the, the week, and there's like thousand people marching through Um, to the Capitol. It was unbelievable. I've never been anything, a a part of anything like that. How many
1: days did you do this?
0: It went on for seven days and I did five days. And so
1: you were only arrested on one day or? One. Okay. Yeah. And how many arrests were made? with it several days or?
0: So on, I should actually go backtrack. Like this whole movement started a week before I even got there, with 150 people marching from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C., 140 miles, I think. From Philadelphia, wow. Yeah. So they marched up to 19 miles a day, sleeping in churches at night, all to lay the foundation to raise awareness of this issue. Because obviously, this isn't something that the mainstream media is going to cover. Yeah. Mainstream media gets a lot of its money from corporations. Obviously, that's where the advertising money comes from. So, we were not surprised that we didn't get this huge media uh, attention. CNN didn't cover it. And, <laughs> you know, we were mentioned on um, CNN's website. And lots of um, media outlets did cover it, but mostly, mostly online. Yeah. So, yeah. after people had marched, 140 miles then every day we gathered at union station like 1130 we had speakers one day on friday one of the speakers was rosario dawson on um you can see her there that um sitting in that that small group i'll explain why she's kind of in a separate group from the larger group behind her but every day we'd have the the speakers and then we'd march to the Capitol. and even though the what the news is mentioning is about the number of people arrested. It doesn't talk about the thousand, I'm going to say thousands of people that participated in the march and supporting the protesters who sat in and risked arrest. Yeah. They s- stayed, we had to, we were pushed way back, which was a whole nother issue, by Capitol Police, like, you know, half a football field away, where we can just stand there and watch, and there were just so many people there. It was unbelievable. Um, And what were you
1: arrested for?
0: I was arrested, uh, same with the 1,200 other people, for crowding, uh, obstructing, or incommoding, which I didn't even know what the heck that (laughs) word meant until I uh, looked it up. Basically, we're blocking the way in a group of people, um, which was really kind of silly because even sitting at the steps of the Capitol where we where we sat in, it's not like people couldn't get around. And there were school children on, I imagine, field trips on the stairs on the sides of the Capitol that were there taking all their selfies. They were not getting arrested at all. <laughs> it's
1: fine as long as you're not sitting for a purpose. <laughs> right, so it's really
0: that it was oh. about active protesters. Yeah. And this movement was a nonviolent movement. We all had to, if we wanted to risk arrest, had to attend civil disobedience training, and we signed a pledge. We were not going to be violent, destructive, um, really even sort of disrespectful. We were, It was the intention was to be a nonviolent, very, um, Peaceful movement.
1: And from what I'm hearing, there wasn't um, any violence on the police's um, on the policeman's part as well. Is that true, or is that you saw?
0: Yeah, I mean, every I I was actually really really surprised because of the number of stories that we cover yeah. about <laughs> excessive force and things like that. But Capitol Police are really really well trained. I think they're used to dealing with protesters. Although this number. Uh, was more than I think they had dealt with in a very long time. But it's
1: possible to actually have a well-trained police force. That's great. It is possible,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of the number, there are some people saying the last time that there was this many protesters was for Vietnam. So this was the, like wow. the largest um, action of civil disobedience, sort of in our generation, yeah. at least in a sustained period of time, because this was over uh, a week. Wow, And so the police officers were really nice and the first day 400 people got arrested mm-hmm. and they zip tied them and bust them off to this big giant warehouse where they people sat for like seven hours and then they got released and I immediately met up with a friend who uh, had been arrested and I asked him how it was and he said it was totally fine. In fact, one of the officers in charge at the end of the day said, all right guys, see you later, Let's see you tomorrow, knowing. <laughs> You know, they they were in on this. Yeah,
1: they know it's an ongoing protest, yeah.
0: Right, so I figured the next day, okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs>
1: Your turn. Huh?
0: So I did it and I was expecting that we were gonna get taken off site, but we yeah. weren't. So every day, Tuesday onwards, they process people on site. So no zip ties, no handcuffs. They just, you know, came over, gently asked us to stand and that's part of our uh, nonviolent thing. We were going to stand when they asked us to, we weren't gonna do that like going limp thing. A couple of people didn't abide by that, but most of us did. And they put us in a line, they took our IDs, took about an hour or two to run our IDs, make sure we didn't have warrants and things, write out a ticket for us. Oh, we had to take a picture with our arresting officer. And they asked us a couple questions that went on the ticket and then they just give you a ticket and that's it. So we did a a post in, forfeiture, we just paid $50, yeah. so I've got an arrest on my record, but not a conviction, and I just went and paid that the next day. I think actually paying the fine was almost more of a challenge than being arrested, because while I was trying to pay the fine, there was continuously people being arrested. Oh, wow, yeah. And needing to be processed, and so it took a lot of manpower. It um, to process everybody. Yeah, um, but as far as I know, everything you know turned out Okay. Um, Our goal to have these four laws looked at was not met, but I think it started or continued a conversation that I think has been raised. certainly raised awareness, absolutely. And I guess that's, at this point, all that we can do to start the, the conversation. And I was really pleased with how the organizers... Um, brought in other groups to show that this is all one problem. It
1: affects Trump. a broad, yeah. Yeah,
0: so on Wednesday we marched. I, I think I have uh, a picture up there uh, of us marching with the Black Lives Matter movement because, again, that's another movement that uh, the the core of it, in part, is a lot of money being tossed into this war on drugs, which has disproportionately affected black men, and uh, I mean, there's so many ways that money in politics has given rise to the problems that Black Lives Matter is trying to get addressed. So it was really awesome to march with them. Another day was a labor movement, another day it was environmental groups. So all of it, Put together really nicely to show that if we can attack this one problem of money and politics, we
1: help improve the other issues.
0: Yes, absolutely. So that's why I thought that this was a a worthy cause for me to oh. you know get a smudge on my otherwise perfectly clean record.
1: <laughs> well, definitely hats off to you on that one. Yeah, you definitely laid it on the line.
0: Yeah, thank. I, I mean, I couldn't be more like it was so exhilarating, so liberating. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I. I I highly highly recommend it. I have the
1: opposite feeling when it comes to arrest, but you know,
0: (laughs) well, (laughs) I whatever works. If if it's you know you know if it's a law that, um, breaking this law, having this crime on my record is doing something so much bigger. I mean, I couldn't help but constantly think this is what Martin Luther King did, Um, and so following those principles and following that that sort of leadership. Um, and then to go see the MLK Memorial l- later, right? yeah. oh my gosh. So I mean I, I just could not be more happy with my experience uh, and I encourage everyone to continue to follow Democracy Spring and Democracy Awakening. Those were the s- sort of two groups that worked together on this um, r- rally, protest, whole thing, uh, uh, events for the week and, and the movement is going to go onward. Awesome. And so, I mean, that's really the, the, the whole part about Rosario Dawson being involved. She was not arrested for anything else different from the, the rest of us. I yeah. know that some people thought that there were certain people being um, targeted for being leaders right. of the organization, and that just um, was not the case. It was really awesome to have Rosario come. She spoke at one of the rallies, marched with us. And then got arrested. Um, In the picture that I took, you see that she's kind of in her own small group. Um, Yeah, you can see. So it's interesting. So how it happens when we're marching up, there's like thousands of us, signs and chanting. So much fun. (laughs) All the way up to the the steps, we come up to the line of the officers that are standing on the steps. And for a couple of minutes, it's sort of, you know, just chaos and, and chanting. And then they through the loudspeaker do, you know, this is your first warning, move if you don't wanna be arrested, (laughs) second warning, and third warning.
1: Did anyone move?
0: Well, some people, no, everybody just stays put. And then the people who want to get arrested will just sit down, and then they have this line of police officers that you see that gets in front of us and then slowly starts to physically push back the rest of the group that does not wanna get arrested. Pushes us way back. And um, it, it seemed to me that Rosario was worried about getting arrested. I don't believe she'd ever, she hasn't ever been arrested before because right. she was not in the original group that sat down. I noticed that she was sort of on the outside with us. And then I saw her and one of the organizers trying to talk to the cops to go in to sit with the group that was arrested but once the police have lined up that way if you cross that police line that's a separate charge Oh wow. And so you don't want to do it. Some people But they made did all that. that
1: clear to you guys ahead of time. Yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, in the in our training. Yeah. And so what they what they did is a few people just sat down right where they were and allowed the police line to cross them. So they didn't cross the police line. Yeah. So in the articles that I read it says she was Arrested with a dozen other protesters. Really, there were more like a hundred and others. But in that small group that she sat down with, was only like 12, about yeah. a dozen or so. It's really interesting to see the way. Um, that it that sounds worked. like a very
1: orderly protest, though. So yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, I commend the Capitol Police. It was great that the way that they dealt with us. I also see, on the other hand, how it was a good way for them to keep this out of the news, to keep this from being newsworthy, because. They didn't incite us, they didn't, yeah. um, there, was a, there were actually a couple officers who, who took escalation training instead of de-escalation <laughs> training. I, I remember hearing one guy say, you're gonna tell me how to do my job after 29 years? I'm like, oh man, uh, no, this, this guy, <laughs> he didn't go to class with the rest of them. Maybe the last time he took the de-escalation <laughs> class was 29 years ago. So there was a couple of them who were just going at it with the protesters, like all, people who were sort of on that level that just wanted to argue, argue about, yeah. a, and it is frustrating because it says very clearly First Amendment, right to peaceably assemble, and then they're pushing us out of the way. And for somebody who didn't spend three years in law school, it seems very cut and dry. Peace yeah. Right to peaceably assemble, we should be able to stand here, this is yeah. federal property that taxpayers pay for, we should be able to do this. And yes, kind of, but none of the rights that we have are absolute. Exactly. And so some people didn't understand that and were frustrated by it. Uh, But it was a good lesson for us all. Yeah. All right. Great story. Thank you. (laughs) So moving along to a somewhat related story. Goldman Sachs settles with the government, $5 billion. So Goldman Sachs is an investment bank that uh, I'll say it nicely. Played a role in the 2007 collapse of the economy. Yeah. I, great backstory provided in uh, *The Big Short*. <laughs> and without giving too much away <laughs> about my personal feelings <laughs> about this, which I'm sure you have a little slight idea about already, what did you think about this five billion dollar settlement? Was this justice or a sort of slap on the wrist?
1: Well, you know, initially it says you know five billion. Sounds like a good number, you know? And we had some other uh, financial settlements that were on par and some were lower, some were higher. Yeah, but- so
0: let me just run through those because the context is uh, important. So J.P. Morgan Chase paid 13 billion, yeah. B of A, 16.6 billion, Citibank, 7 billion, Morgan Stanley, 3.2 billion.
1: Yes, and these settlements usually um, are kind of tied to the bad, the wrongdoings of each bank and how they played a role um, in our collapse. And they were responsible with buying these kind of mortgage-backed securities from countrywide. And when they realized these were underperforming and failing, um, when the sentiment out there was in the media that they were strong, they refused to inform buyers and investors that these these mortgage-backed securities were likely to fail.
0: They gave false assurances that the mortgages were just fine. Exactly. Knowing that the mortgages were weak with people that had low credit scores with people that were likely to default.
1: Exactly. And so um, so with that came this $5 billion settlement, which I thought, okay, pretty good. But what you find out is there's so many incentives and credits built into the settlement that they might actually end up paying less than a, a billion dollars less. And it's not even the billion dollars less that I'm not satisfied with. It's the fact that you had to do this agreement where you undercut everything you kind of publicly said. Yes. And so that's what's uh, you know why not come out with a four billion dollar settlement when there's no credit? You know just you know stick to what you're gonna do because I feel like that is kind of how he got into the whole situation in the first place.
0: This is such a mess. They have not learned their lessons at yeah. all. Sorry to cut you off no, today. No,
1: completely. Okay, so
0: they think this is total b. S. Yeah. Not even a slap on the wrist. This is a slap on the finger. Yeah. When you realize that in 2006, their net revenue was $37.7 billion. Mm-hmm. This is in 2006. And their earnings were $9.5 billion in one year alone. You see that $5 billion is nothing for mm-hmm. what they did to our entire con- economy and the people that yeah. lost their jobs and homes as a result of this. What you were saying about the $1 billion less yeah. is because they can claim a tax deduction for the out of court settlement fees that they're paying. So about three or two and a half billion are going to uh, the Department of Justice.
1: but they're given a credit as well for um, so you know the government has made them invest in certain areas where they think should be re- that that should be revitalized. So for instance, if they do give money towards low income housing, They get to claim a credit for that low-income housing giving, rather than just requiring them to give that money.
0: The the tax write-off alone would give them sort of a discount of about a billion dollars. Exactly. So, so it's four billion dollars. They did not, at all, admit any wrongdoing, and no. Same with the deals and the other banks. No individual employee was held responsible or faced any consequences. And all the articles, I was really uh, disappointed by the media coverage that I saw of it. They all used like euphemisms yeah. that, that um, Goldman Sachs is paying a penalty related to um, the mortgage Um, crisis. Yeah,
1: they didn't really want to get at the heart of what was taking place. No, it's not related to, like,
0: how about causing or lying? No article that I saw used the word that they knowingly lied to investors. Again, the influence of money, including Goldman Sachs, on a lot of the media is such that people are afraid to make enemies with yeah, them and be afraid to tell the truth
1: and afraid of possible litigation on themselves.
0: Right. So I know maybe I should be afraid <laughs> too, but for some reason I'm not because I think it's more important that people really understand the truth and that they should be I think pissed off about yeah, this. And
1: what's interesting is in January they decided about 3.4 billion dollars for the settlement and now, after the settlement, it looks like they'll be paying close to paying close to what they um, had set aside for it, and that's just sort of—it's like they, they just,
0: budgeted for this. Yeah, did they
1: just make it make it fit into that? You know, right.
0: So we bail them out. They, you know, use the uh, the bail mon- bailout money for all sorts of personal yeah. extravagances, and then the fine that they pay is, is not even yeah. uh, virtually useless. So, I mean, made it very interesting. Um, I mean, to get political, to watch, did you watch the debate last Thursday between Hillary and no, Bernie? No, I got some
1: of the highlights. And
0: bringing up um, the, the transcripts of the speeches that Hillary made to Goldman Sachs. She was paid yeah. about $225,000. And so I think when we see these kind of settlements, like, is the government on Goldman Sachs' side or our side?
1: Yeah.
0: It's not real clear from this settlement. Um, and, and I'm glad that it's being raised as a question in the debates. Uh, I think that we, we've got to, I don't really uh, advocate for getting angry, but there's some times when you should get pissed off and this is one of those times. Well,
1: people should definitely be engaged in knowing what is going on.
0: Yeah, really a miscarriage of justice if you ask <laughs> me. Uh, moving on to another miscarriage of justice. Our marijuana laws, we thought that it being 420 today, happy 420, not sure if you celebrate it, but we thought it would be a good day to do a sort of rundown on where we are with marijuana laws. Starting, and I think it's always important to start with the very beginning. So the beginning was, you know, Nixon's administration, and we talked. What was it? A few weeks ago, a month yeah. ago, about the the guy in the administration who admitted that Nixon had enemies: black people, yeah, hippies, hippies yeah. and so outlong the drugs that they did would make it easier for him to control them, basically. And uh, within this war on drugs, they instituted the uh, Controlled Substance Act, which made marijuana like a, a, something that had no medical value. Uh,
1: whatsoever, yes. And
0: uh, was said to be highly addictive, and so that's sort of where our laws have been on it since 1973, I think, when, or 1970, when the Controlled Substance Act was enacted. Starting in 96, we in California legalized medical marijuana. And now where are we today?
1: Well, now, well, recently we just had Pennsylvania legalize uh, medical marijuana. Yeah,
0: all of like two days ago. Yeah. So congratulations, Pennsylvania.
1: And so we have uh, 20 more states that have medical marijuana on the books, and we have about four states plus D.C. that allow for recreational marijuana. Yeah, D.C. was
0: interesting. Being there over the week, Uh, people were talking about, yeah, it's legal, but you can't buy it or sell it, which is going to create a whole lot yeah. of other problems, but I guess one step at a time.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: And even though Pennsylvania just uh, passed this law, the governor signed it, I think, two days ago, yeah. it's gonna take a couple of years until they have this whole regulatory right. scheme.
1: Yeah, but what was interesting is that now um, they're, you're allowed to administer it to your child if you if need be. And so I know that they had maybe had a couple different cases where parents had children who had epilepsy. And, um, and the, the amount of, pres- the amount of, I guess, symptoms that you were able to show, it, it's only 17 things that you're allowed yeah. to get this for, including cancer, HIV, AIDS, yeah. Parkinson's, epilepsy being one of them. So it, they do have very strict regulations as to who's going to be able to get this medical marijuana.
0: The, the exception to that is the chronic pain exception, or it's not even an exception. It's one of, like, the, the dozen or 20 or so conditions listed for most states that allow the use of medical marijuana, and many people have chronic pain, especially back pain or headaches or things of that nature and uh, this is one of the reasons why the pharmaceutical industry and also the police unions are against this because this is going to be a loss of money for the pharmaceutical industry because they can't sell as many pain medications and then police unions don't like this because they get less funding for this war on drugs.
1: But I think states like it because it's bringing a lot of money for the state. You know, in Pennsylvania, the the price of the marijuana is going to be limited. It's going to be regulated by the state.
0: Right, and they're making sure that yeah. it's less than the black market value yeah. of it so that it doesn't make more sense for people to just buy the illegal exactly. stuff.
1: And, and in fact, actually, Pennsylvania, you cannot smoke it there. So it's got to be either by pill form, vapor is fine. Um, I believe they had, or liquid form, so it's you cannot smoke it.
0: Yeah, and then you know, surrounding countries. So Canada is considering um, legalization. Mexico yeah. Yeah. even is considering legalization. There's some confusion, in, even for me, about the difference between legalization and de- decriminalization.
1: Yeah, so decriminalization really involves. You're not going to jail for carrying a certain amount of marijuana. Maybe you get a ticket, or you know, um, a certain amount is fine under you know under a certain amount. Whereas legalization means you know it's all good. Yeah, There's-
0: and I used to be okay for decriminalization, but the m- yeah. more that I understand that it's just going to cause actually more confusion and a bigger mess that. Full-on legalization seems yeah. to be where we're going, and probably where we need to go.
1: Yeah, it looks like Mexico even even has a few laws that allow for a certain amount of cocaine, a certain amount of methamphetamine. That's for personal use. It's very interesting. So um, it'll be interesting to see how just making at least for marijuana everything legal. Yeah. Um, would affect them.
0: And then in in terms of the Supreme Court, like what the most recent thing we've heard from the Supreme Court on this matter is actually last month they declined to hear a case yeah. that was brought by the states of Oklahoma. Oklahoma Oklahoma and Nebraska, which each border Colorado. Colorado in 2012 passed a recreational marijuana act, so they get to light up whenever. And apparently Nebraska and Oklahoma are complaining that too much of the drug is going into their states, causing a stress on their law enforcement.
1: A financial burden for the state. I thought it was actually a pretty strong argument.
0: Well, that's the... um, Two of the conservative uh, justices on the court opined that, yeah, Yeah. they should be taking this up, but the majority of the justices said no, and they don't have to give a reason, and they didn't. Uh, I think that they didn't take it up because this is, it's it's really too much of a mess. There isn't like one issue. The Supreme Court only likes to hear issues when it's all distilled down into like one question. And I think this raises way too many. And so they're just going to wait to see. The Supreme Court often does.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, with no opinion, it's you know kind of tough to st- say where their heads were at. But it seems to me to be an important question as to.
0: Well, the other thing is that the um, they went the states went straight to the Supreme Court, yeah. which they're allowed to to do that uh, in this kind of case, um, to ask the Supreme Court to take original jurisdiction. But they can go through the federal courts and, so that and may let be it the
1: next step, yeah,
0: and let it go up that way and. Uh, but so far, because the um, the Supreme Court declined to hear it, other states like Ohio have been encouraged by that to...
1: Pursue, cons- yeah. Yeah, so
0: that there's like 10 other states.
1: Yeah, where it's gonna be up for um, election or for vote.
0: And then I, I heard, I think I just saw today, that there was a group of 50 doctors in California that are creating a group that are for Um, marijuana legalization which is a big deal because Mm. way back in the day in the 70s they were the ones that said we don't need to uh, criminalize this, this is not going to be good but then for the last sort of 50 years they've been the American Medical Association has been on the side of it has no use so now for a group of doctors to come forward and and uh, create a group that's advocating for the medicinal purposes of it uh, I think will help the movement go even faster.
1: Yeah, I think we had Bernie Sanders uh, wanted decriminalization and I believe um, Hillary Definitely Clinton Definitely to wanted,
0: move it out of Schedule 1.
1: Yeah, and then Hillary Clinton wanted it to be Schedule 2 so that it could be at least researched. And so yeah, putting something in Schedule 2 will at least allow people to research it for, and the government to fund that research.
0: Right. I think it's a little bit too late for like, let's do the research thing.
1: Um, Not necessarily, because I think you do have questions about how it would affect um, an eight-year-old suffering from epilepsy, or how it would affect maybe a baby or a child, you know?
0: For sure, if any of these laws were seeking to make it legal for children. But all of these laws, recreational or medical, is for well no, medical is needed. for is for kids yeah
1: exactly so uh, I think it, it would be great to have it researched so we know exactly what the effects are what are the standard amounts what do you, what are you supposed to take for this kind of pain or that kind of pain so. yeah
0: and I I would personally be on the side of let's let them do it and we'll refine that as we go rather than ha- keeping it illegal until we do all the research and then you know five oh. ten years from now we can make it legal
1: well, I, I think it's better to do research before you. you, you
0: but I, I think there is already some research has been done oh, in some, other countries.
1: Yeah. Well, there's some, but I think it, it's best to be have, have government-funded research that we can see that affects abroad. You know, you can see the sample size and that it's actually like a it meets certain requirements to to merit a study.
0: If 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 you have tried it with your you know child and you see the difference that it makes in the number of seizures that your child has, would you want to wait for a study to come out in a couple of years, or would you? I
1: would be concerned about the long-term damage. So, you know, it, I might be solving one problem now, but I'd be very concerned about the problems later on.
0: What kind of long-term problems have you seen?
1: Well, I mean, developmentally or- for children, I, I don't know what the effect on marijuana with children would be that we're taking it over a long period of time, I, you know, I have no idea. <laughs>
0: and and the this whole notion that it makes you dumb and lazy is really i don't think supported by any evidence probably maybe because there aren't is there isn't any yeah. because you and I both know people that are perfectly you know oh, yeah. productive human beings yeah. that smoke just as many as people that do the lazy yeah, exactly. thing so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how this goes but i think this is like a domino effect that's yeah. moving Faster and faster.
1: I think the research needs to catch up to public sentiment, and then I think that's when you'll see a lot of the old stalwarts against it kind of fall, because you do need to know what people are getting. You know, it, we we make things go through a process of you know standardization and okay. figuring out you know processes and making sure the processes are safe, and so I think that's important. Too. Yeah,
0: and I think us in California are going to be able to vote on a recreational um, marijuana use act uh, in November. Okay. Wow. How are you going to vote on that one?
1: I don't know. I, I got to do my own. Research. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I think I got to do some more. <laughs>
0: All right, okay. And so now uh, we're talking about um, former NYPD officer Peter Liang. Mm-hmm. Remember, he uh, was the guy who went through a dark stairwell with his gun out, mm-hmm. got spooked by some sort of sound, pulled the trigger, and accidentally or unknowingly shot a man who was on the floor or. One's level down. Floor, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was in November of 2014 that Officer Peter Liang uh, accidentally shot and killed uh, a Kai Gurley. Mm. Uh, we talked a few weeks, a month ago, wow, I have zero perception of, <laughs> of time, about that he was found guilty of manslaughter for that, uh, that shooting. And then the judge gave kind of a surprising um, sentence. Uh, just earlier this week, uh, Peter Liang faced up to 15 years in prison and ended up getting no time.
1: Yeah, and the judge bumped down the um, charge to criminally negligent homicide.
0: Which... It was really tough. I mean, yes, I get judges can do that, but it's yeah. so hard after a full jury trial where that was one of the yeah. options that the jury had, and the jury picked manslaughter.
1: And to be noted, the prosecution only recommended um, six months of home confinement for the for. The sentence, right? So the judge wasn't too far off, and given what they wanted to get this guy for, yeah.
0: Nobody really thought it would be, you know, fifteen years. The yeah. family of Akai uh, Gurley wanted something like seven years, yeah. um, because they see so many times where you know you break the law, and this is what the 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 maximum. Sentences in the the books, and that's what people get. Yeah. That's what we've seen with so many st- stories of these mandatory minimums. People going away yeah. for a very long time, regardless of context or circumstances. Yeah,
1: but just like I'm against those, I'm kind of against in this particular case, you know, any more severe punishment. It, it seemed to be a genuine accident. The officer was reckless in the way he handled his gun, but you know, the bullet ricocheted. He didn't even know somebody had been hit until he went and went down and surveyed the scene.
0: Well, he was also convicted of. Um, Oh, man, now I'm forgetting the term. But he, for failing to do his job, and he didn't follow an order that he... The kind of um, sweep that he was doing, he was not supposed to be doing down this dark stairwell. Yeah. He did it anyway. He was not supposed to have his gun out. He had it out. And then once he realized that he shot somebody, he didn't do anything to help him. He didn't administer CPR and spent like five minutes texting uh, with... With somebody, rather than calling 911 and getting him emergency assistance, whether or not that caused the death, it's—I mean—it certainly was misconduct in office. That's what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, I think I think with the ricocheting bullet, however, though, like the actual death itself, um, I, that's why I don't think it warranted much more
0: than what he got. So he got five years of probation yeah. and 800 hours of community service. Uh, this was uh, handed down by Judge Danny Chun. Uh, so there has been some talk about, you know, the race issue in this case. You know, this case is the first time in a decade that any NYPD officer has been charged with any crime in the killing of an unarmed person. Uh, there were some people that saying that you know blue lives matter until that blue life is a minority because you know, they're saying that Peter Lang is an Asian man and that's why he's been scapegoated as he's the one that was put on trial for this. And then an Asian judge reduced the the crime that he was convicted of and gave a very lenient sentence. Uh, I can see why people would be uh, upset. By yeah, this. It,
1: it's, it doesn't necessarily look great, but um, once again, I, you have to look at the crime. To a certain degree, you need to have a little bit more evidence if you think something is sort of racially motivated. Um, we can discuss these issues and kind of look for answers, but sometimes a sentence seems appropriate. Sometimes conviction's appropriate. Yeah,
0: I don't think it would be a good use of taxpayer money to put him in jail. He's not a, a risk.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't think he's going to go out and do it again. Uh, I don't... Something just is...
1: Well, a life was lost, and you feel that there should be some more of a payment for right. it, Right, you know? and
0: I do understand that there are people saying that there have been other officers who have done more egregious actions that have not been held accountable and, at all.
1: And, of course, those need to be pursued. However, this is just not that case, and I don't look at this case in light of those.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to a tidal wave of litigation. Oh, yeah.
1: Very nice. <laughs> I like what you did there. Thank you. Thank you very much. So...
0: Uh, At first, I saw this case about a guy suing Kanye, and I was like, what kind of, I'm sorry, moron believes anything that Kanye says on Twitter? Yeah. But apparently, a California man uh, named Justin Bakerette did, and Mm -hmm. he thinks that two million or so other people did too. Mm -hmm. They relied on a tweet that Kanye sent out that said, quote, my album will never 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 three times never be on Apple and it will never be for sale you can only get it on title. So Kanye tweeted this on February 15th
1: yep.
0: a whole month and a half later it turned out that life of Pablo was available pretty much everywhere and
1: of course you know about two million people signed on and you know titles revenues went up as a
0: result Not even just the revenue but the valuation of the company Evaluation which is really key for a startup because aside from the money that you collect by being a, sub, a subscriber a company gets a lot of information from people get inf- addresses credit card information and that information about people is really valuable yeah. and so that was an uh, that's the part where i thought this teeth this case has teeth yeah. um yes the lying it counts even if it's on twitter Well, I mean, and, well the,
1: and that's a thing or Is this something that's so... Like, should he have known people would rely on that statement and base decisions on it? And I think they would. Normally, we think about Twitter, and especially Kanye West and how he uses his Twitter, thinking people shouldn't expect that to be true. But I think in this particular tweet and the content of the tweet, I think it's reasonable to expect people to rely on that.
0: Yeah, so I think that there's a good claim for a deceptive marketing practice.
1: But he has... The album that was released on Tidal and the one that is on Apple and iTunes is different. Um, whether that difference is significant enough to say it's not the same album, and that this is a different album, I that might be an argument he has.
0: Yeah, but it's a, it, it, the, the tweet says, my album, knowing that it was Life of pop. It didn't say, my album version well, one no. will never, or version two, yeah. uh, I think it was and reasonable that people relied or understood that to mean Life of pop. And up.
1: will they parse that down and say, never, 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 In the music industry is, if I give you a month exclusive release, that's essentially not releasing the album anywhere else. You know? Uh,
0: I am mean, good luck with, for him on that. I, I, I do think actually that this um, class action will be successful. But like most class actions, the members of the action are not gonna get that much. They make it
1: a free month on title. <laughs> Something like that. And
0: usually it's the attorneys that litigate <laughs> yeah. these cases that come out ahead more. But, uh, but I,
1: I'm not sure. I think he, I think he might, uh, I think Kanye may prevail.
0: Really? Why is that?
1: On the difference of the album. On the fact that the album released on Apple um, and Spotify are different than the one he released on Well,
0: title. maybe because I haven't heard either one of them. I don't know. I mean, I don't know is it ext- a big difference?
1: I don't know how extensive the differences are.
0: So Interesting. But don't rely on anything Kanye says <laughs> and on Twitter. But, I, I'm, but, you know, they're saying that the... Um, The the value of the new subscribers was eighty-four million dollars. That is nothing to scoff at. So, yeah, yeah, that's why uh, I I think there's something. And
1: funny enough, we had you know we talked about the Jay Z lawsuit where he sued the original um, who he bought title from based on their you know value inflation inflation valuation of it when he bought it. So
0: yeah, this this title
1: comes full circle.
0: Has been kind of rough. Okay. Wow. That brings us to the end of our show. Uh, I think I do want to mention real fast that just right before um, we started shooting, I got word that there have been three um, charges in the Flint, Michigan water crisis. Uh, not the governor. Oh, that
1: was my first question. Not the governor.
0: <laughs> somebody in the, the environmental uh, quality. Uh, some people are just saying this. You know, these poor guys were scapegoated. This was orders that came from the top but at least it's some action and uh we'll bring you more details next week where we hope that you will join us here for another episode of justice is served thanks everyone and don't forget to tweet me at chelsea galicia and shaka at shaka strong see you next time